Let me show you something special. I can introduce your parts to something What's up, pig floopers, and welcome to another episode of Flooping the Pig. I think we're on to episode 22 now, and today we are getting into some serious over-the-hump season 4 territory, beginning with a crucial episode in a very important storyline that Justin's going to tell us about called In Your Footsteps. Yes, uh, In Your Footsteps is all about a bear, the bear uh, that we meet uh, at a party that's being... Uh, that's just sort of happening. I don't know what the point of the party is. It, I think there, it's kind of out in the woods, and there's some dancing and stuff. And um, this bear is there and is kind of uh, off-putting to Jake when he first meets him. Um, and uh, Finn meets him and immediately takes to him. And the bear kind of mimics some of his behavior and ends up almost choking. And Finn saves him. Um and just they kind of they pal around. He talks about the Enchiridion, tells him what that kind of stuff is. And so uh, the bear follows them home after the party. And he and Jake and everyone else get along with Bimo because he just keeps um, mimicking what um, well Finn it gets along with Finn, I should say, um, gets along with Finn and Bimo and everyone else. But Jake is not really feeling this bear. It doesn't help that the bear smacks him in the face at one point. Um, while he's sweeping, but um, Finn just attributes that to, hey, he doesn't like sweeping, just like I don't, so everything's good, and uh, in the middle of the night, he catches the bear, like, acting like Finn, which is super creepy, and then they come back, and he's not doing it anymore, and Finn's like, it's fine, it doesn't matter, and then Finn makes his Finn cakes and takes Bimo to soccer and says, don't eat the Finn cakes, and the bear eats the Finn cakes, Jake records it, they come back from soccer with Bimo, and Finn's mad at Jake for not stopping the bear from eating the Finn cakes, and they start arguing, and it's very sad because Bimo just came back from soccer. Jake says he's not going him to him uh, to his party that he's throwing in the forest. Finn has no idea what party he's talking about, and they realize the bear is throwing a party as Finn. So they go there, and he's just being Finn at this party, and Jake kind of gets in his head and tells him, Hey, he's like trying to steal your your old girlfriend, and he's like trying to steal your life, and he's and he's got everyone convinced. He's even wearing a thin like loose mask that kind of looks like its face with the hat and the costume and the backpack. So Finn sort of yells at him, and he goes running off. And Princess Bubblegum says, "No one thought the bear was Finn. That's crazy." At which point Jake like shrinks down, embarrassed. So they go chase after him. And they apologize, and the bear says that he just wants to be a hero like Finn. So Finn gives him the Enchiridion. Jake's against this and says, well, that's supposed to be important. And Finn says, we really only use it to, like, 
prop up tables or something like not really good uses of the Enchiridion. Sitting on wet grass, I believe, is what he said. There it is. Even worse. It's the Enchiridion, the hero's handbook. Everything you need to know about being a hero is in this book. Take it and learn. Fina, are you nuts? We can't give that book away. It's like crazy important. Whatever, man. We never use it, except for like sitting on it when the grass is wet and stuff. Uh, so the bear runs off with it, and then uh, he runs out of the woods, and he looks determined to be this hero. Actually, he bikes off, I feel like, at some point. And uh, <laughs> he goes up a, like a series of rocks into his cave, and he kind of lets out a holler. And you hear this ominous voice say, did you bring the book? And the bear gives it to him, and it's the snail with the lich eyes. And he says something like, good, one step closer. And that's the end of the episode. And it's ominous. Kevin, what did you think of this? This episode is totally tops Blueby, which <laughs> I don't even know what that means. It bothered me so much when they use that that term. Like, usually I like the nonsense that they say, the nonsense that Finn says. But tops Blueby just seems so forced to me. Like, you think it's just cutesy for the sake of being cutesy? Pretty much. Yeah. No, I see I- that. I thought it was old terminology, like that's the tops or something like that. And sure, like, tops, but where's what the hell's Blueby? I don't, I don't know. I just assume that it's also of that era. I don't think so. I well, think I see what Brad's saying because, like, it seems like he said it an abnormal amount of times. Then he would say like a phrase in an episode. Yeah, he said it twice, but it was it was that second time was like, come on, man. Yeah. Sorry. No, that's fine. I'm I'm glad you commented. Um, I guess the episode was okay. Uh, I didn't really see the point of it. it. Seemed like just like another one of your typical TV tropes until the very end. Well, then I was like, oh, man, that's crazy. So I like that. Um, BMO playing soccer brings up a lot of questions. Like, isn't he smaller than a soccer ball? Also, his legs aren't very big. I don't know how that would work out, but I guess I guess that's cool. Also, I'd eat Finn cakes, which just cupcakes with Finn decorations. And anytime the bear imitated Finn, I thought it was pretty funny, especially when trying to talk like him. So that was good stuff. I think the bear said tops blueby once too, or a few times. So maybe that's why I thought it was said so often, but yeah, all right episode. But of course the ending made it pretty crucial to watch. Yeah. I feel the same way. I remember when I watched this episode the first time being really, really bored and then pretty blown away by the end. I actually have eaten Finn cakes. Uh, an ex-girlfriend made them for me on my birthday last year. I remember uh, that. Yeah. I was pretty excited about it. They were delicious. I guess, you know, the world knows about my adventure time love. So that happened. It's funny you bring up uh, uh, BMO playing soccer because I, I would watch a whole episode about BMO playing soccer. He was watch. so dirty and stuff, too. I was wondering. I was like, what happened in that game? He's just he, – well, he falls all the time. <laughs> he does fall all the time. Justin, did you actually like the episode? Yeah, I liked it a lot, actually. Um, it's uh, – I mean, I, I wouldn't say it's one of my favorites, but it's uh, – for me, it's, it's totally enjoyable throughout. And um, it is kind of – I don't know. It plays a little bit like a mystery because you don't really know – where I mean, you can see sort of the point of view from both characters, how innocent the the sort of mockery that the, the bear does, or the mimicry, I should say, um, that the, the bear has of Finn. But at the same time, because of the music that they choose, the part where he's like in the kitchen in the middle of the night, like pretending to be Finn, I mean, what's the game plan here? Like That's another thing that I sort of questioned coming away from this episode, was what was the bear's initial plan to get was the plan always the Enchiridion or just to become Finn? I assume it was always yeah. to get the Enchiridion. I think it was always get the Enchiridion too. I don't think the bear was ever that bright, but I think the Lich is so genius and so evil that he knew that, you know, if he did this, it would play out this way. He knew he could. He probably like knew that the bear could appeal to Finn's ego, 
and not appealing to Jake's ego would turn them against each other. And then uh, that would cause a fight, which would in turn cause guilt, uh, which would in turn get the bear, the Ancyridian. Or conversely, maybe the Lich is not so bright and he sent the bear there to double his fin so he could, you know, seem like Finn and sneak out with the Ancyridian. But either way. That um, was my my thought was this was a three step plan of bear becomes like learns how to be Finn. Bear eats Finn. Bear leaves within Kyridian, and no one questions it because he's now Finn. Yeah, that could be uh, it, but um, I'm glad they didn't go with that. Even no, though, no, absolutely not. Yeah, uh, yeah, I think I think that's about right. Well, I, I mean, it kind of leads to your point. Is that the only thing I didn't really like about it? Is just after I thought about it, I thought, what was the? I mean, <laughs> what was the real plan here? If they're sleeping in the middle of the night, why not just take the Kyridian? So yeah, I mean, that part was a little. I guess he had to get him to give it to him, otherwise they'd know it was gone and go looking for it, theoretically. Yeah, everything else I really liked. Well, speaking of things really liking other things, in Hug Wolf, there's a wolf that really likes to hug. What happens there is Finn and Jake are getting ready to destroy the Tree of Blight, which every hundred years shoots out these evil spores that spread evil all over Ooh. But Finn is distracted by a Hug Wolf that sneaks up on him and hugs him. Jake destroys the Tree of Blight in the meantime, but not before the spores shoot out. One of them hits the hug wolf in the face and it runs off. And then the rest of the episode is Finn trying to control his new urge to hug. And they come to learn that the hugs are, uh, you know, it's werewolf rules. Finn got hugged by a hug by an alpha hug wolf and he's becoming a beta hug wolf. And now he's hugging everyone, especially Cinnamon Bun, really hard. In the end, Finn actually transforms into the hug wolf. And uh, Jake realizes that he has to, I believe, destroy the alpha hug wolf. In order to save Finn, the Alpha Hug Wolf and Finn, the Beta Hug Wolf, end up in a confrontation with each other, and they they perform on each other what I believe is the biggest hug of all time, which is enough hug for both of them, and not, neither of them feel like they need to hug anymore. So Finn becomes himself again, and the Alpha Hug Wolf becomes this beautiful woman. But before anyone can get to know this beautiful woman, the the Tree of Blight spore that had hit her when she was in Hug Wolf form transforms her head into a tree of blight head and that is the cliffhanger upon which this episode ends justin what'd you think uh i i like this a lot actually um it was uh i mean there were some truly creepy elements and but, but there was a part my favorite part was when jake realized that he wasn't gonna be able to contain finn and then hid behind bemo after just telling her that that plant's not gonna do you any good um, that part really made me laugh. And uh, even though it was really played up comedically, it was just they were genuinely afraid of being hugged. I don't know why they were afraid of being hugged. Um, I guess it sort of made them uncomfortable, but that was that was about it. But, uh, yeah, I, I liked this one a lot. I thought it was okay. Like, I mean, the only two scenes I really thought were, were great were the two scenes with Cinnamon Bun. Like the first one where he says not to hug him anymore because it hurt his love handles. And then when he's supposed to guard Finn in the jail so he doesn't get out. And then all he really wants is a hug, so he lets him go. You came into my room around midnight and gave me a squeeze! A really strong one! But otherwise, I was just kind of whatever. Like, just seemed like it was there to exist. So at first, I was I was annoyed by the fact that Cinnabon Bun didn't want the hugs and then wanted the hugs. But now I'm thinking, you know, part of the reason Jake and Bemo might have been scared was... Cinnamon Bun wanted the hugs a second time because some of that hug wolf hugginess got into him and it's spreading around and maybe Cinnamon Bun, well now that the alpha hug wolf is gone and the beta hug wolf's gone, Cinnamon Bun's fine, but had they not, then maybe Cinnamon Bun would have transformed into like a Delta hug wolf, maybe. I also don't think this episode's anything special. It's it's cute, but like whatever. 
Yeah, else. it's it's not necessary or anything, but I I don't know. I, I still I guess I've seen it a lot. It's a fun one to interact with uh, with the kid. I like the scene where he breaks. I mean, it's really messed up. Where he breaks into the, like the little girl's room to like scream, and then the dad like kicks she'll in. never marry. Right, and he shouts something else too, and he, he making the sound effects. Um, but I like was, the sound uh, effects actually too. create bullets. Right, and he's actually shooting something as it like breaks away the little candy pieces from the from the house. But yeah, that was uh, that was pretty great. Speaking of things that I don't think are so great, there's a character in the episode Princess Monster Wife called Princess Monster Wife that uh, I just can't stand because it's super gross. But to hear more about it, well, here's Kevin Ford. Yeah, so a bunch of the princesses wake up and a part of their body is missing. Like some of them are missing like a leg, some are missing like the entire bottom half, some are missing parts of their face. It's pretty disturbing. And they all, of course, go to Finn and Jake to complain. And they vow to figure out who did this. And, of course, their first stop is the Ice King, who is the known perpetrator of kidnapping princesses and all that. And he denies that he had anything to do with it and says he, that he's actually concerned about whoever did this that because they'll take away his princess. And they, of course, inquire about his princess. And he reveals this princess made of all the body parts that are missing. And he was like, oh, this is what you meant. Oh, yeah, that was me. Uh, and Jake and Finn are so grossed out by the princess monster wife because it's all just, just this amalgamation of princess parts that they end up passing out. Uh, Ice King and the, the princess monster wife eat dinner and clean dishes. And Ice King flies her around and sings a song to her, which is actually pretty great because not only does he sing, but he has a tape with him of him singing in higher octave. So he's doing his own duet. Um, shows the princess like this ipe sculpture that he made of the two of them. Uh, she gets really self-conscious about not being normal, and Ice King has to keep reassuring her on all this. Like, uh, and this keeps happening over and over again. Like, she gets really self-conscious, then Ice King calms her down, then something happens to do this. Like, when she uh, was petting Gunter, Gunter hisses at her. Um, that actually caused Finn and Jake to wake up, and they freak out and pass out all over again after seeing the princess. Um, she doesn't really feel all that beautiful. So Ice King makes her this outfit to wear and has all of his penguins treat her like a runway model. And Finn and Jake have woken up again, and they try approaching her by looking through mirrors so they don't actually look into her and they won't pass out, but that doesn't work. They end up passing out again. And when the princess puckers her lips on the runway, one of the penguins vomits, and the princess runs off again all upset. And the Ice King says that he loves her more than all the other princesses combined to try to, try to ease her mind. And he try he proves this to her by showing her all these photographs of the princess that he took parts from. And this is when the princess realizes that she's just an amalgamation of all these stolen parts, and she kind of has this identity crisis. And again, the Ice King reassures her, but Finn and Jake show up blindfolded to fight so they won't pass out this time. They actually make the Ice King submit pretty easily. And during this fight, the princess monster wife has snuck off, and uh, she's gone and redistributed all the parts of herself to the rightful princesses. And as Ice King realizes this, he looks outside and he hears in the air uh, from the Princess Monster Wife, though my parts may be scattered, I will always be your wife. And the episode ends with Ice King mad that she gave away all of his stuff. Uh, this was weird. The Princess Monster Wife is pretty gross. It's not one of the stronger Ice King episodes, but uh, I guess for whatever message they were trying to send, it was okay. Brad, I know you had some vitriol for this, so I'll start with you. I just don't like when things are gross, and this show does it every once in a while, and, you know, it's fine, it's their humor, but I, I couldn't look at its at the three-tiered mouth of Princess Monster Wife with, like, the LSP mouth and the Turtle Princess mouth and the Bubblegum Princess mouth, like, all together, and there were three, it went in three different directions. It just, it, oh, it made me nauseous. Um, 
kind of like the Wall of Flesh and the upcoming Gunter Monster. That's really it. The re- I, the song's really funny. The episode I actually like the episode aside from the visual of um, Princess Monster Wife. Um, I like the I, I like a lot that she is her own entity that exists without the body parts, and I wonder how that came to be. But well, just like we haven't seen um, the Tree of Blight Lady since she came about. I don't think we're going to be seeing the Princess Monster Wife ever again. Uh, yeah, probably not. Um, it was. Uh, it's a good episode. It's. It's really sad to me. Like the whole episode has this pretty thick layer of sadness. So I don't know if you can really like it that much because you're always reminded. I mean, just one look at Princess Monster Wife, and you're just either revolted or, in my case, it's just like sad. I don't know. Um, I like the look of the character when it's not talking or moving. I like that one of its legs is half of Hot Dog Princess. Um, I like that uh, Elbow Princess's hip. I mean, that's the best joke, and it's totally a throwaway. But Elbow Princess, instead of obviously taking the entire arm, he takes a portion of her hip <laughs> to fill in with stuff, um, is genius. And it's they don't play it up at all. It's just in his description of things. And uh, it's wonderful, so... Um, I, I like it, but it's just, it's kind of too sad to, to like too much. Speaking of characters that were created for one episode, Princess Bubblegum has created a character, uh, in the episode Goliad because of her brush with death while fighting the Lich. Princess Bubblegum has come to realize that she won't be around forever. So she creates a creature from a part of herself that will be around forever. Namely Goliad, a giant pink sphinx. Ooh, pink sphinx. That sounds cool. I'm going to name my band pink sphinx. You have a band? I will one day, probably never have a band. It'll be another uh, project you forget about. She, I don't forget about any of them. She introduces Finn and Jake to Goliad, but doesn't have time at the moment to train Goliad. So Finn and Jake offer to teach the young new ruler to be of the Candy Kingdom, uh, you know, how to lead. Jake takes Goliad into a kindergarten class, but ends up scolding the kindergartners too much, which makes Goliad too aggressive. Then Finn teaches Goliad to use her mind to solve problems, but that makes her use her psychic powers to aggressively solve problems, so now she knows how powerful she is. So now that she's drunk with power and mad with rage, Goliad has decided to take over the Candy Kingdom now. Finn and Jake try to stop her, but since she's psychic, they and Princess Bubblegum can't actually think of the plan that they need that they're going to use to stop her, so... Finn has to think of other things, like himself as a buff baby dancing like a man over and over <laughs> again, which is awesome. Eventually, Princess Bubblegum is able to create a new sphinx from one of Finn's hairs called Stormo. Stormo and Goliad end up locked in a psychic battle forever, and and that's the end of the episode. And I, I, I love this episode so much, and I feel like Goliad and Stormo are primed to come back. I, I actually think there's no way in my mind that we'll never see either of them again. In a future episode, they are seen in the background still staring at each other, but I think, I do think that so uh, cool. that we'll see them again. And I hope we do, because Goliad was such a... First off, Goliad's dangerous, and she got shut down really fast, but I like the characters that have the power to be world-ending, like the Lich, or like Magic Man, who is you know more powerful than Finn and Jake, or um, Goliad, potentially, and I, I hope that we see more of that. And I, I read this little bit of trivia that uh, go, that Stormo can be considered the the son of Finn and Princess Bubblegum together. So I'm not sure uh, how that plays out totally, but 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 I, I don't know. I love this episode so much. Yeah, I really like this a lot too. I think it's really cool that 
they are able to introduce Goliad into this episode, and like immediately it was like a legitimately scary threat. Like it took no time at all, and you know they neutralized it. But like you said, there's always that threat that that could end at some point or something bad could happen with the Goliad. So just having that character established is really neat, and I like the uh, the lesson they were trying to tell with you know getting you know I don't know, but you know what I'm saying. It was a good lesson, and yeah, it was just it was it was a fun watch. I thought it was good. I just thought it was good character portrayals for for Jake and Finn and Princess Bubblegum. Tired Princess Bubblegum in the beginning, who's just vacant, was was amusing, and uh, I like how Cinnamon Bun got poured into the vat of stuff to make the Goliad at first, and then just kind of sauntered his way out nonchalantly. That was a good little Easter egg there. So yeah, this was this is definitely a very strong way to end our four episode match. Yeah, I I love it. I think it's one of the best episodes of season four. Um, it just it raises a lot of interesting questions, not just within the show, but also um, it does the a thing that I like that I've I've spoke about a lot, which is Finn sort of sort of trying to figure out, you know, this uh, trying to learn the same way that even Goliad does, um, where he's presented with these two options of ruling with an iron fist and a and a you know in a loud voice, or just controlling them, having no. It's not about threatening; it's about just you know making them do what you want them to do and sort of contemplating which is the better of the two or which, you know, what even works and him being stumped by that. Um, I like that a lot. I think it's interesting that they specify at the very end when Finn says, why didn't this one go all evil? So it's not just the nurture that, that they indicate that makes Goliad the way Goliad is. It wasn't just Jake's, shouting and its you know own perception of things that affected it it is genetic in a way because princess bubblegum says oh he's a stormo is a good guy because i use some of your hair and your heroic um so it sort of it's another seed planted there that um maybe bubblegum's not uh as benevolent and uh sweet as we think she is um and that deep down there's I mean, it's not even deep down. It's something they explore later. It's that very possessive, all about control, and you sort of uh, also about her going, you know, her sort of chasing immortality at times. That comes up a lot in the series too, and this is an indication where she knows she's not going to live forever, and she wants to do something about it now, just in case. So, yeah, I love this episode. It's a good one, and all the points you raise are very valid and very, very interesting. Do you think that Goliad and or Stormo will return? I don't I don't know. I don't know what else you could do with them. I think if they do return, it, it would be very brief. So and I have not... an idea of how they could reintroduce Stormo. Okay, At least Stormo and maybe Goliad. So Finn is adopted. Uh, this is the best way I can explain this without getting spoilery. So I'll just put it based on what we know already. Finn is adopted and thus probably has daddy issues, and Stormo is possibly his child. And even though we know that dogs and reindeers can be in couples, Finn, as the last human, probably can't reproduce. This so Stormo might be his only chance for a child. So maybe he will go seeking Stormo for some familial contact. There, there is an episode. We have descriptions for a lot of episodes that are coming up. There's an episode coming up that I believe is called Something Big. Yep. There's no description for no it. description. That's um, I, what's the big? What's the big thing? Yeah, yeah. It's uh, I wonder if Stormo's even, big. I, <laughs> yes, he is big. Um, I think that down the line, with Fid growing up and becoming more assertive, 
with Princess Bubblegum's ways of asserting herself over um, the candy people becoming more transparent and rejected, I think there is eventually going to be a confrontation between um, Finn and Princess Bubblegum in some way. And I think at that point, and this could be years from now, that's when this, because again, they're both psychic. Um, I think that's when this fight between their, for all intents and purposes, their children uh, will be resolved in some way. Maybe. It, it, uh, it, it would be a good way of symbolizing, if you didn't want to have them physically fight, uh, an argument that they take or a stance that they take, uh, declaring some sort of on the show, using it as a prop to declare a winner. Um, it, like if they just, you know, if she cracks down on the on the Candy Kingdom. I also have another theory. I don't even know if I said this on the show. It involves um, Lemon Hope as well, uh, which we I guess we can't discuss that, but... Um, I just, I think there are eventually, with Finn's kind of in a dark place, I think there are dark times coming to the Candy Kingdom. Could be, could be. Speaking of dark times, Kevin has a theory about the dark snail, and that means it's time for the hashtag snail search. It is time for the hashtag snail search. Now, was it last week, Brad, when you and I got in a little tiffy about the incontinuity with the snail and the ice and all that? Indeed it was. Okay. No, it was two weeks ago. Okay, so if you recall... Uh, for a while, after the snail was infected by the lich at the end of season two, you would see the snail with the infected lich eyes and all that hanging out in the background when you would search for him. And they eventually dropped that all together, and that was a shame because the show is usually pretty good with continuity. So you're watching this episode, and our, Brad actually told me, he goes, don't, don't work too hard on the snail on this one. It comes up near the end. But in, in your footsteps, there is a, there is a regular snail. And he is by the table in the beginning when everyone else is dancing, like the picnic table that Jake and Finn sit down at. So there's that snail who's waving and smiling, and then there's the lich snail at the end. So is there now two different snails, or is that snail placed in the beginning there to make sure he goes all according to plan? Because that snail's there, and then boom, the bear shows up. So could be part of Justin's theory that he had on that episode, or there could be two separate snails. Who knows? But to me, this was, this was groundbreaking. Big stuff in the snail world. So do you want to real quick, Justin, tell us what you think about Kevin's theory here and how it relates to your theory? And then Kevin can do the rest of the hashtag snail search. Sure. Well, I mean, my theory was just, I was just saying whatever came into my brain. It wasn't really formed, but um, it was essentially that uh, the, possibly the bear figured out that uh, the snail was the lich and said, Listen, you can't you can't look like the lich always and forever. Or maybe he just saw the fear in the bear's eyes or something like that and realized that he's got to be incognito. And uh, maybe it happened way before that. But um, the snail decided not to reveal its creepy green eyes unless it was sure it was alone or around the bear. So just one one snail. Yes, I'm I'm a one snail guy. All right, Kevin, continue the search. All right, whether it's one or doppel snails, we'll never know. Well, we might know, but we'll continue. In Hugwolf, when Finn and Jake are picking up, it wasn't trash. It was like, what did they call it, like candy recycling or something like that? Candy yeah. litter. Candy litter, that's right. So there's a, there's like a doorway to a house in the background that the snails in when Finn and Jake are doing that the morning after Finn went out and did his Hugwolf stuff. And Princess Monster Wife, uh, it's just amongst the princesses in the beginning who are complaining to Finn and Jake. And the Goliad, it, he is inside the classroom when 
Jake walks in with the Goliad to try to teach the Goliad about trying to just give fill it with knowledge and all that. And a classroom seems like a logical place to go. So that's the hashtag snail search for this week. In voice acting news, Eric Bauza, who played Stimpy when Billy West refused to reprise the role for the reimagined Ren and Stimpy horrible cartoon. Uh, he did a guest voice in In Your Footsteps. I believe he was the bear. But it's also possible he was the yeah, he was the bear. Jill Talley from Mr. Show. Uh, did the voice of the beautiful lady in Hug Wolf, and um, probably also the Hug Wolf, and uh, Wendy and Henry Linehan, Linehan uh, together did the voice of Princess Monster Wife in Princess Monster Wife, and then in Goliad, uh, some child voice actor did the voice of Goliad, but she doesn't do anything but voice acting. That's all the guest voices. Justin, tell us about what you've got going on in the interwebs. Yes, I'm Justin J. Houston, and I'm on Twitter, and I write a column called Rub Raw. It's on PW Ponderings, and I do other podcasts. I do them all with Kevin, and I make him say it because I always forget all of them. So he will tell you what they are right now. You also forgot to tell us what your handle on Twitter is. Justin J. Houston. It's my name. Everyone should know it by now. Jeez. (laughs) Fair enough. All right, so you can follow me on Twitter at KFord13. You can also follow Pro Wrestling Ponderings on Twitter at PW Ponderings. The best way to get this podcast is to subscribe through their iTunes or Stitcher Radio, and you can do that by searching for PWP Podcasts. And uh, if you don't want to do that, you can download it directly from PWPonderings.com. It comes out on Mondays, but if you get it on iTunes and Stitcher, typically it comes out on Sundays unless GST forgets for some reason. Um, for other podcasts we do, Justin and I also do a show called Viva Chikara, which is about Chikara. We'll have a new episode coming out this week talking about Jakara's Chicago doubleheader and their show in Detroit, so be on the lookout for that. And uh, I do fan-to-fan sometimes when the recording goes right. Brad? Uh, you can follow me at Garoongate and Burger Weekly on Twitter and at Burger Weekly and Brad Garoon on Instagram. That's all That's all my things. That's all my things that I got. Guys, are you ready to actually floop the pig next week? Oh my god, I'm so geeked. To actually floop the pig. And in the meantime, we thank you for flooping the pig. I floop the pig. I floop the pig. Mm-hmm.